darkness tries to roll over my bones. Sorrow comes to steal the joy I When brokenness and pain is all I know, I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance. thank you today for the opportunity to be here. God, we know that you are present here with us. God, I just pray that you would help us to worship you today in spirit and in truth. I pray for Brother Darrell as he delivers your word in a little while. We just, God, we just want to lift up your name today. Uh, help us to do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How I long to breathe the air of heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets to look upon 
one who bled to save me and walk with me for all eternity. There will be a day when I will bow before Him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with He who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the Lord. And every prayer we prayed in desperation, the songs of faith we sang through doubt and see that it was worth it when he returns to wipe away our tears. There will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face Stand beside the heroes of the faith with one voice, a thousand generations sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And on that day, we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith with one voice a thousand generations sing worthy is the lamb who was slain forever he shall reign so let it be today
I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there's peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over fear and all anxiety. To every soul held captive by depression. I speak Jesus. Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus, for my family, I speak the holy Shadows 
I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there's peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. All right, good morning again. If you have your Bible, let's go to Second Kings. Probably for... The last time, many time, real soon. Second Kings chapter 6, 13 through 17. There's an outline of this message on the back side of your announcements. If you'd like to use that. Second Kings 6, 13 through 17. We're looking at this story of Elisha and his servant and uh, trapped in the town of Dothan and the Syrians all around and the servant says that famous line, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha prays and, and uh, opens, God opens the servant's eyes. They see the mountains full of angels and chariots of fire and horses of fire, many more than the Syrians who are encamped around Dothan. First week, uh, we're, we're going to spend three weeks on this. First week was that phrase where the servant asked, Master, what shall we do? And last week was the enemy, and this week is the servant, okay? Let's look at a couple of scriptures. If you're looking at your outline, the next two scriptures, I'm actually going to read those first, and then we'll read the text. So first off, this will be on the screen, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. I think we've read this every week. Just give me just a minute. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are, which are not seen are eternal. And then Philippians 2, 5 through 8. We're going to talk about being humble this morning. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, a slave, and coming in the likeness of men like us, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So we're going to talk about letting this mind be in us, which was in Christ Jesus, humbling ourselves. Second Kings chapter 6, 13 through 17. Scripture starts out with the king of Syria, who's the enemy, and they're all about trying to capture Elisha. And so the text begins with the king of Syria saying, he said, go and see where he is, where Elisha is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, surely he's in Dothan, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant, from here on, I'm going to use the word servant a lot, but in the message, I'm going to tra- uh, also use the word friend, going back and forth. We Hardly anybody in the room has a servant, and so I'm going to use the word servant, but I'm also going to use the word friend, because that's kind of more uh, what what we would think of. I I don't have any servants, but I got a lot of friends. 
And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. Those are the Syrians that, you know, you can see. And his servant, so Elisha's servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Matt, hang on to that verse right there. Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now, two weeks ago, I used that as an analogy of how we will sometimes pray and how we'll talk to God about things. And that's a, you know, that's a pretty good, pretty accurate, accurate analogy. God, what do I do? What, what shall we do? But technically, literally, this is the servant, the friend's question to Elisha, master, what, what shall we do? And we're going to come back to that. I'm going to use that. So, Master, what shall we do? And uh, verse 16, so he, Elisha, answered, Don't fear. Do not fear. Uh, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Who did he pray for? prayed for the servant. And Elisha prayed. And said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And of course, all around the servant, too. I'm not going to read every week. I've read on, read on to the text. It's not an important part of the story, but it's important that we know it, that from this point on, God, uh, Elisha prayed again, and God struck the, the uh, army of the Syrians blind. He took them to Samaria, and they were captured there. So there were some things that Elisha had to do, some things that the Lord had for him to, to do. All right. Uh, Ephesians 6.12, we, we have used this verse every week. We're going to do it one last time. The, uh, this last time we'll be in 2 Kings for a while, 2 Kings 6. We took a break from Matthew. We'll go back to Matthew chapter 4. But next week is Mother's Day. And so we'll do something different there. And then the week after that, Lord willing, we'll go back to Matthew 4. So this will be it in 2 Kings for a little while. Ephesians 6, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What's that mean? We're not fighting with each other. Our fight is not with each other but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Satan is our enemy. Demons are our enemy. We're not. And I know that the devil uses us, and that's a shame, and I wish it wasn't true that he's used me, and I wish it wasn't true that he can use you, but he, but he does. But we can get in our mindset that, that we are the enemy, but we're not. Flesh and blood, we're not wrestling against each other, but against Satan's power. Okay, next screen. Kind of, you're going to divide this into two, but this is on, we're going to concentrate on the servant. My friend is not my enemy, okay? In this story, the servant is, the word is incidental. It doesn't move the story along. The bigger story, the bigger picture is that the Syrians have trapped Elisha in Dothan and what God does with that. He lets, he lets people see the, see the angels and the horses and the chariots, but 
That's fine, but that doesn't advance the story. He lets the servant see those things, but that doesn't advance the story. Advancing the story is when God strikes the Syrian army blind and, and Elisha leads them to, to Samaria and they're captured. That's how the story ends. The story of the servant is incidental. It's kind of its own thing. It doesn't advance the story. The story of the servant and the, and the discussion with Elisha and Elisha's prayer about the servant is just about the servant. That's it. Not vital to the story at, at all. The, the servant doesn't change anything. There's a lot of stories in the Bible that have incidental places like that. One of them, if, if you go in, into the New Testament, I want you to think about this. We're not going to preach on this anytime soon. But the story of the Good Samaritan, you know the story. And, and go, go back and read that sometime. But when you get to the, toward the end of the story of the Good Samaritan, you have this, uh, this uh, thing that where the Good Samaritan is talking to the innkeeper. That's incidental. It doesn't change the story. And it's all about this conversation with the Good Samaritan and the innkeeper. It doesn't really have anything to do with changing because he'd already brought the man who was in the ditch to the inn. So why, have this, why include the conversation between the Samaritan and the innkeeper? It's incidental. Go, go back and read that sometime. It's its own thing. okay? And it's really interesting that it's its own thing. And read about and read the story in that way. So, in the, the story of the Good Samaritan, there's really two stories there. And in the story of, of 2 Kings chapter 6, there's really two stories here. The story, you know, trying to capture Elisha, but the enemy's captured instead. And then the story of the servant. The servant, my friend, my servant, my friend is not my enemy. Okay, uh, when you read it, the, the servant comes to Elisha and says, Lord, we're, we're trapped here. What, what shall we do? <clears throat> Elisha, if you can put yourself in these shoes, it, I think Elisha's got his hands full. Okay? Now, he's obviously, it's not recorded. We don't know what the prayer was. But Elisha's already talked to God about this. Okay? He already knows what he's going to do. The, this is, he already sees the horses and the chariots. He sees the angels. He already knows what's going to ha happen. He prays and God tells him what to do. And he does exactly that. So, but then the servant comes up, you know, it's kind of like tugging him on the, on the sleep. Hey, 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 what, what, what are we going to do? Now the knee-jerk reaction is, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. I'm going to have my hands full. We're going to blind the enemy. I'm going to have to lead him off. To, you know, I don't... But he takes time out for the servant, for, the, for his friend. That has really nothing to do with the story. But he takes time out, spends his time to explain to him and to show him what's going on when he doesn't have to. Okay? There are people in your life who just don't see what you see. And it's easy to get frustrated with them because they don't see what you see. Right? There are people in your life who don't see what you see. And you get frustrated with them because they don't see what you see. 
And frustration comes out. Why can't you see it? <laughs> Why can't you see it? I see it. It's so obvious to me. Why don't you see it? Open your eyes. You know. And we could say that, you know, a hundred different ways. How that frustration comes out with our friends, our children, our parents, our relations, our friends, because they just don't, they don't see what we see. They don't, they don't get what we get, okay? Because we're not all on the same page. If, if our spiritual life, if our life, if our spiritual life was the, the rungs, the steps of a ladder, if all of us have a ladder and we're all stepping up, we're all, we're all advancing, I hope, we're growing up, we're stepping up, no, nobody in the room is on the same rung. Nobody is. There is not a husband and wife, there's not a couple anywhere that grows at the same rate. And I think, I think I'm going to help you out here, okay? I'm not sure, but I think I'm going to help you out here. But that's the truth. There's not a couple of... Uh, a pair, a spouse, there's nobody, there's not a couple anywhere, any place, anytime that's growing at the same rate. One of them, one of you is always growing faster than the other one. And that explains a lot. But therein, a, a lot of times, is the, is the problem. Because one is growing faster than it, but that's always going to be true. That's always going to be true. Nobody grows at the same rate. Maybe one is outgrowing the other, but then one passes the other one. It's just, it's, but it's not a con, we're not, it's, an, it's not a con, some of you turn a con, everything into a contest, you know, everything into a race. But it's not that, is it? We're just all wanting to grow, trying to grow, but we're not all growing. None of us are growing at the same rate. And so some people see what other people don't. And now comes humble, the humbling. If you were in that situation, you know, we read it and we read through it so fast that we don't, we don't often put ourselves in those positions and in those shoes. But if you put yourself in those shoes, I mean, I mean, Elisha, his head's full, his heart's full, his mind's full of all that he's going to have to do. And a servant comes up tugging on his Sleeve, hey, hey, we're in trouble, we're in trouble. And Elisha knows the whole time, no, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. Calm down, get back. You just don't see what I see. Go over there and get a seat. You know, just, just stand back and watch this. You know, get out of my way. I don't have time for that. What are you, what are you bugging me for at a time like this? I've, I've got my life full, I've got my hand. I don't have time for you. He didn't do that, though, did he? He took time. He took time. It doesn't have anything to do with the result of the story. It doesn't change the story at all. But it's about Elisha and the servant. This isn't about Elisha and the enemy. This is about Elisha and the servant. And the humbling of uh, Elisha taking time. Say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to show you I'm going to let you see what I see. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you see. Now, I got my hands full. I got a lot to do. But I'm going to take a time out here. And I'm going to help you see what I see. And he did. And he prayed for his friend. 
He took time out. Very busy schedule. He's about to blind an army. He took time out and prayed for his friend. So his friend could simply see what he's... Nothing really for the friend to do. Just, I'm going to try to help you see what I see. I'm going to try to help you know what I know. I'm going to try to help you grow. I'm going to help you grow up, step up, to, step up another step. And we're not all on this. You're not on my step. But I'm going to help you step up to another step. I'm going to take time out from my schedule. I'm going to take time out from all this other stuff I've got to do and help you. Now, next screen is, uh, where has Elisha seen horses and chariots like this before? Remember? If you read in the book of 2 Kings, about four chapters before this, I think it's about 2 Kings chapter 2. This is where it comes from. Elisha is the servant. To who? Elijah. Why God would pick two major prophets that sound so much alike and confuse me every time, I don't know. But a few, a few chapters before this, Elisha is the servant. And Elijah is the prophet. And God's, gonna get, God's getting ready to call Elijah home. But he didn't tell Elisha that. And so Elisha, if you remember the story, he follows Elijah around everywhere he goes. And, and Elijah says, Elisha, just stay, just stay back. Just stay. And he doesn't explain to him, just, just stay back. But Elisha knows. God has, has spoken to him. And you know, you know how the story goes. When, when they come up to the very end of Elijah's life, the chariots of fire and the, and the horses of fire and the chariots of fire swoop down and pick Elijah up, and he carries him off in a whirlwind. Wow, what a way to go. What a way to go. And Elisha's standing there, you know, slack-jawed, seeing the whole thing. But he has seen chariots of fire before. Right there, he saw them. Oh, that's what they look like. And the mantle of Elijah fell down. The cloak of Elijah fell out of the chariot and fluttered its way down to the feet of Elisha. And he picked that cloak up. Now, Elisha is the prophet. Elijah's gone. Elisha learned to be a servant right there. And the year before. He learned to be a servant because he was a servant to Elijah and how Elijah treated him and how Elijah brought him along. And we're going to come on to that here in a little bit. And he saw the horses of fire and the chariots of fire. So four chapters later, when they're in Dothan, he looks up and says, oh, well, I've, I've seen that before. I've already been there and done that. I, I already know what, know what to do. Uh... But the servant didn't. What's Elisha doing? He's bringing that servant along, helping the servant along, just like who? Just like Elijah did him. Somebody has helped Elisha along the way. Somebody was very patient with Elisha along the way. What's Elisha doing now? Passing it along. Somebody's been very patient with you. If you'll think about it, 
Uh, this is goofy. I hadn't thought about it. it just is, I'm 60 years old, and it took me, I think about two years ago, I was, was remembering back, and I thought about this, and it kind of just like clicked in my head, and a light bulb went, went off. But uh, I can remember back being four years old. That's as far back as I can go. I can remember being four years old. Uh, we lived in Calico Rock, Arkansas at that time, and because my parents worked and my older brother and sister were in school, my aunt and my uncle watched, took care of my sister and I. My uncle was a pastor, okay? So he would be in his study, and I was four years old. He was in his study, and I loved to go in, there in his study with him. And he had an old manual typewriter. Some of you have no idea even what that is. Okay, but he had a manual typewriter, and the stroke on that thing, I can remember this so plainly, the stroke on that thing was long. I mean, you had to really push that thing down. Arm would go up, you know, A, B. How anybody could type on that thing, I have no idea, because I didn't know. So being four years old, didn't know how to type yet, what, what was I doing? I, I loved to type on that thing, A, B, you know, over and over, and I learned to read by that, but it never dawned on me till a couple years ago. Of course, my uncle's passed away years ago, or I would be on the phone with him. He, uh, I'm sure I was an exceptional child, okay? I'm sure I was quiet. I'm sure, no, I was four years old, and we didn't have the initials ADD and ADHD. We didn't know what that was. I know I had it now, but I didn't know it then. And so I always had to be doing something, always doing something. My uncle would sit right there beside me studying. He never scolded me, ever. I can't, I, I can't remember him ever saying to me, would you be quiet, you know? I'm trying to study here. This is important, and you're not important. Would you be quiet? Never did I hear him say that. He never asked me to leave the room, never. He never did anything like that. Okay, a couple years ago, that dawned on me. That's amazing because I'd never do that for someone else. I said, you know, I'm trying to study. I need you to leave there. But he never did that, ever. That may not seem like a big deal to you, but it, it dawned on me that was a really big deal that he was like that. Training raising up and training and nurturing someone else when he didn't have to. It never helped him <laughs> to do that. I'm sure he never preached better because I was banging on the typewriter. You know, I'm sure it never helped him. How did Elisha, uh, where has Elisha seen horse chairs like this before? Because he was a servant. And he knew how Elijah brought him along. And so now he's doing that for someone else. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? Someone has been very patient with you. Like my uncle was very patient with me. It didn't dawn on me. I, I really wish it had. I really wish that I could tell him how much I, I appreciate that. Well, so I, I can't tell my uncle how much I appreciate it. What can I do? Pass that on to another four-year-old kid. 
or a five-year-old or a six-year-old or a 16-year-old or a 66-year-old. Pass that on to somebody else, okay? The humility of Elisha with his servant. Now, last screen. How did Elisha learn to divide a river? In the story that we I've referred to in, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, when Elijah was getting ready to be called home and he kept on trying to get away from Elisha and he couldn't, Elisha's following him everywhere he goes, Elijah comes to the Jordan River, takes his cloak off, smacks the river with the cloak, and where he learned to do that, I don't know, God must have revealed to him, smacks the Jordan River with his cloak, the Jordan divides and the two cross over on dry ground. And Elisha, don't know if he's ever seen that before, again, slack jaw, like, wow, I didn't know you knew how to do that. So they cross over, and Elijah's taken up in the whirlwind, and that cloak flutters down to the ground, and Elisha picks it up. Comes back to the Jordan, folds it up, wads it up, smacks the Jordan with that cloak, and it divides. Where did he learn to divide a river? He saw Elijah do it. Elijah taught him to do that. Elisha learned it from someone else. That's, that's where he learned it. In your text, uh, this is the humility of the servant. Verse 15, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Technically, that's not a prayer to God. That's a that's a, the servant asking Elisha, what shall we do? There's the humility of the servant. I need help. I, I need help. Now, I'm the one that's not way up on the rung. I'm the one way down on the rung. I need help. I need somebody to help me. There's the humility of the servant. I can't do this on my own. I don't know how to divide a river. Elijah, show me. I've never seen horses of fire and chariots of fire. Elijah, show me. Show me how to do this. I've never been a prophet before. Elijah, show me how to do that. Would you help me do that? If you are the type that says, I don't need anybody, all I need is God, that's unbiblical. Because God has given us all these people around us. There's a reason for that. That God didn't have to do it like that. But God did do it like that. That's why we are disciples of Christ. We're not a disciple. We are disciples of Christ. That's why we gather as a church. And, and that person that says, I don't need anybody else. I've got God. Well, that I wish that that was true. But that's not the way God designed it. And that's not the truth. We do need each other. It's the humility of us to admit that. I need somebody to teach me. I need somebody to Pray for me. And that's exactly what happened. Master, what shall we do? Elisha, what are we going to do? I don't know what to do. Elisha, help me. Elisha, show me. Elisha, help me through this. I don't know what to do. And Elisha prayed for him. So it's the humility of Elisha to stop what he's doing and pray for his friend. And it's the humility of his friend to admit, I need help. Would you pray for me? 
I don't know which one is harder, do you? That's interesting, isn't it? Which one is harder? The humility of Elisha? Stop what you're doing. Be patient, be kind with the four-year-old banging on the typewriter. Just, that's okay. I love you more than the typewriter. That's okay. Is that harder or is it harder to be the servant and the humility of the servant to say, I need help? Is it harder to stop what you're doing and pray for somebody else? Or is it harder to be the someone else and and say, I need somebody to pray for me. I need help. Would somebody pray for me? I need help. That's why God, that's why it's us (laughs) and not just me. That's why it's us. That's why we're the family of God. Because we help each other up and then we help each other up and then we help each other up. And when we can't get up to that next step, we ask for help. And then we reach down and we help somebody else up. Patience and humility. Uh, Band, musicians. I'm going to do an audible. I pretty much thought I was going to do it anyway, but I'd like to, for us to play and sing, I Speak Jesus Again. Daniel, is that a problem? We can do that. I speak Jesus again. So I'm going to ask the musicians to come and then we're going to pause just a minute and get ready to pray. I want to talk about something that I know is hard for us to do. We've done it before. Humility is hard. I don't care who you are. Why? Because we're humans. Humility with humans is hard. It always is. And I don't know if we're ever going to get to that point that it's not hard to be humble. The patience of and the humility of Elisha is praying for someone else. The easy part of that thought is that there's someone in your life, this is hard enough, but it's easier than what I'm going to say. The easier part of that, praying for someone else, there's somebody in your life that you know, the Holy Spirit's already telling you, you already know, it's not a surprise to you, you need to be praying for them. Okay? If they're not here, then the challenge is, and you... You're going to have to take this on your own to pray for them. All right. Easy done. You're praying in your house. They're over at their house. That's not hard. You going to their house. That's hard. You meeting them somewhere. You laying your hand on them and praying for them personally, in person. It's not hard to send a text. It's not hard to send an email. It's not hard to do your Facebook thing. That's not hard. There's no challenge there, really. A little bit, not much. Challenge, humility, is going to them. 
You take that and you let the Holy Spirit challenge you. Nobody's going to know if you do or don't. You, you know. <clears throat> do you want to take a step up on your ladder? you want to take a step up? This is a step up. It's a step up. It's odd to say it. It's a step up to reach down and help somebody else up in person. Go to them and pray for them. That's a challenge. That's humbling. That's humbling. It's not easy. But there's nothing about humility that's easy. There isn't. It's all hard. You want me to get to the e easy part. That was it. Now the harder part. Is there somebody here. That you need to pray for. And. You can wrestle with the Holy Spirit. And say, and say you can pretend you're not sure. But you are sure. You can pretend you don't know, but you do know. And so the harder part is to do it. This morning, as I go to somebody and say, I just uh, don't know why, don't know what, I have a burden for you. I have a burden for you. I don't know why, or maybe you do, but I'd like to pray for you this morning. You can just go to them where they are. You can ask them to come to an altar and pray. You can do that however you want to. Hey, man, that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It is hard. But if you want to take a step up, that, that's what this is. Or you can stay where you're at. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> I don't know which is harder. Staying where I'm at, which is not good. But taking that step up's hard. But it's better. So there may be somebody in your life that's not here. You need, to go to, you need to go to them and pray for them. Encourage them. Be patient with them. And there may be somebody here that you need to do that with. Okay? I actually have somebody here that I'm going to do that with. So I'm not going to be here. All right? I'm going to do what I say. I'm going to put feet to my prayers. I'm going to pray for someone. Okay? They don't know it. But uh, I could talk all day long and act like I don't, but I do know the Holy Spirit's already dealing with me about it. Okay? Now, the other side of that is the humility of the servant. I need prayer. I know I need to be praying for other people, but I need prayer. I need somebody to pray for me. Now, you can do this two different ways. One of them just come to an altar and pray. And I hope the rest of the church will, you know, do what we always do. I don't want anybody to come to the altar and pray and pray by themselves. Okay? You can step up. You can step out and help some, someone pray. But you may be here this morning and, and you could raise your hand and say, I'm the one who needs prayer. This is the humility of the servant. I need, I need prayer. And you may have somebody in your, in your mind, on your heart, that you need to ask to pray for you. There's the humility. It's humbling to go to somebody and ask them to pray for you. Because that shows your need. And we don't like to do that. I don't. But there may be somebody here that the Holy Spirit right now is, is laying on your heart. You need to ask them to pray for you. If you don't have anybody on your heart but you still need prayer, just, just come and pray. Somebody will come and pray, pray with you. I'm going to go to my person immediately. And pray, and I'm not going to pray long.
then I'm going to come back up here. And if you need me to pray for you, you let me know. If I'm the person that you feel like you need to ask to pray for you, I'm going to make myself available. I'm going to come right back up here and, and be here. If you don't just have anybody in mind, just come to an altar and pray. Come to a seat and pray. And the rest of the church, I'm asking you to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you and pray for each other. If you have somebody that's on your heart you need to go pray for, don't hesitate. That's why I haven't asked you to stand yet. Because I'm going to say go, okay? If there's somebody on your heart, don't hesitate. First word in the Great Commission, go. Go. And then if you are humble enough to say, I need prayer, don't hesitate. Okay? Band, are you ready? Please stand and go. just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there's peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows.
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus amen kind of debating on